Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Just one week until the New York Jets open up their training camp and how about this as far as news goes. The team has been selected to be featured on this year's edition of Hard Knocks. The first time for the Jets since 2010. Cannot wait for that unparalleled access behind the scenes down there at the Jets facilities. We say hello, welcome into NFL Live. We've got a great crew today. Diana Rossini, Damian Woody, Lewis Riddick will be joining us in just a moment. And who better to ask about the Jets being on Hard Knock than Knox and the guy who was actually on the last season himself. Damian, what are your thoughts on the Jets being the pick again for the first time in 13 years? I think it's great, Field. I think it's great. Listen, when you trade for Aaron Rodgers, all eyes are going to be on you. Uh, just speaking to my, my time um, on Hard Knocks, it was fantastic. We embraced it. Obviously, we had a lot of really great characters, and that's part of the you know, allure of having hard knocks. And, and we rode that baby all the way back to the AFC Championship game. So just talking to the Jets organization, embrace it, have fun with it. Let's ride. Yeah, that was the beginning of your media career, Damon. You got to see how you were in front of the camera, and the crowd loved you. And, of course, here you are on ESPN all those years later still making it happen. More Jets talk <laughs> in just a bit. But the other team in New York is also in the news as Giants running back Saquon Barkley still doesn't have a long-term deal after he received the franchise tag earlier this offseason. Josh Jacobs, who you also saw right there, he has not yet either signed his franchise tag tender or gotten that long-term deal. Now, as we know, the deadline is coming up as teams and players have until 4 p.m. Eastern on July 17th to reach an agreement on a multi-year contract extension. If Barkley and Jacobs do not reach a multi-year deal, they can play for the 2023 season on that one-year franchise tag with their respective teams. The next opportunity for a potential long-term agreement would not come until after the team's last game of the 2023 season. But, Diana, you have some fresh perspective. What more can you tell us about where things stand between Saquon and the Giants? Yeah, Highfield. Talks between the New York Giants and Saquon Barkley are really at a stalemate at this point. We know this deadline is creeping up in just a few days at Monday, 4 o'clock Eastern. And at this point right now, I was told that there's no movement on getting this long-term deal done. So what does this mean? Well, I was told by sources close to Saquon Barkley that the option is on the table for the running back to skip training camp and to even miss week one against the Dallas Cowboys. These are things he's considering if he's not able to get this long-term deal done with the New York Giants and really feel the sense I'm getting from the New York side of this, and this has really been a constant theme over the last few months, is that they're really not very motivated to get this done. I don't sense that they're in a hurry, that they're up against the clock feeling like they got to get this deal done. I think the Giants' perspective here is Saquon Barkley is going to probably want to sign this franchise tag and not lose out on any money. $10.1 million is what Saquon Barkley is due on that franchise tag, Lewis. As we know, there are two important dynamics in every negotiation, leverage and a deadline. We know what the deadline is. That's Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern time. But who do you believe has more leverage in these talks? Is it the Giants, who their best player last year was Saquon Barkley, or Saquon Barkley, who, of course, plays a position that is very hard to get paid at these days? 
Yeah, honestly, I think it's going to be the New York Giants in this case, simply because this is the way things work with running backs in today's market. Look, I think right now, I mean, look, they already made their intentions known as far as what the priority was this past offseason in terms of getting Daniel Jones signed to a long-term contract and then going ahead and franchising Saquon Barkley and then letting the chips fall where they may. If they thought that the priority should have been to make sure that the running back was taken care of, they would have done that. They would have done that first. They would have prioritized them differently. And I think right now, you know, front offices are going to lean on history. When has it really played out in the favor of a front office to go ahead and sign a, con a, a running back to a lucrative second-term contract long-term contract that mm. maybe stretch them as far as what their cap planning was and have it turn out in their favor. And look, I know that people are going to say, well, look, Saquon Barkley is the engine for this offense. He's the juice. He's the guy who makes it go. But look, I think with running backs, I think teams are always going to err on the side of caution and look for tremendous value that really plays out in the team's favor. And unfortunately, that is not something that running backs want to hear. But that's the landscape that we're dealing with right now when it comes to running back negotiations. Yeah, just to piggyback off of Lewis, I agree with what Lewis is talking about. And it's unfortunate because when you look at Saquon Barkley, literally you could say he was the, the team MVP. Uh, he was the engine behind that Giants offense. I know Daniel Jones got his $40 million per year, but it was Saquon Barkley that was making that offense go uh, for the New York uh, football Giants. But what you're seeing right now is the business of football. You know, as much as we, as much as we you know, can... Uh, you know, give praise to Saquon Barkley and what he's done on the field, considering, you know, he's had some injuries, you know, injuries in the past. What you're seeing right now is what can you do moving forward? That's why these, the running back position is devalued because of the investment that a lot of teams are putting in the running back position. You're not necessarily seeing the return on those investments. And I think that's what's playing uh, plaguing Saquon Barkley in these negotiations. Man, it's so tough right now for these running backs. It just feels like that market has really stalled out as Christian McCaffrey signed that extension three years ago that remains the bar for all running backs league-wide. We started in New York. We went to New York. Let's go back to New York, and specifically the Jets, as it's pretty easy to see why they're going to be the Hard Knocks team this season. Obviously, they are Rodgers trade, but Alan Lazard also signed from Green Bay. He will join young playmakers like Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson, who was the Offensive Rookie of the Year this past season, but anytime you have a four-time MVP on your roster, it brings instant expectations for this very proud franchise. Uh, Lewis, as we know, Hard Knocks is the place where you get to see things that you wouldn't otherwise see inside an NFL organization. What's one connection that you're interested in seeing develop through this series? Yeah, it has nothing to do with the wide receiver core or really the skill position group as a whole field. This is about the connection between Aaron Rodgers and his offensive line and the level of comfort that, comfort that he feels in the pocket on third down, which make no mistake about it. That's why Aaron Rodgers is in New York. For those third down crucial situations, for him to be able to keep moving the football, drive the team down the field, produce explosive plays, be effective in the red area. And in order for him to do all that, he has to have protection, in particular on the edges here. What's Dwayne Brown going to look like this year? What's Makai Becton going to look like this year? Is it going to be one of these situations where Aaron feels comfortable stepping up in the pocket and doesn't have to always be a magician because he has always got pressure in his face in under 2.5 seconds. That's the critical, critical situation that needs to be monitored this year. Because if that goes, if all those things play out, then New York will be right in the mix in terms of challenging for the AFC East. If it doesn't, I don't care what you got on the perimeter. I don't care what you got on defense. We saw it play out last year in the playoffs. Offensive line, being, being strong front to back, inside out, 
has to be taken care of in the NFL in order for you to succeed at the highest level. Yeah, Lewis, you're talking my language right now, talking about the Jets' offensive line, and really what it comes down to health. You know, that's really been the conundrum with Joe Douglas, you know, since he's been there, is the lack of health as it relates to the offensive line and having that continuity with those guys up front. You talked about, you touched on Dwayne Brown. Last year, he played with the torn rotator cuff throughout the whole season. He's 38 years old. Makai Becton, who's slated to probably be the starting right tackle. This is a guy that hasn't even played in two years. And the Jets are hoping that, you know, he can, you know, be a guy that can, that can play a full slate of games. So there's just a lot of unknown variables with the Jets offensive line, particularly on the edges. And so for me, like this whole, this whole Jets experiment with Aaron Rodgers, it all comes back to the big guys up front. If those guys can stay healthy and play together, the Jets have a real chance because I love everything else around this, this mm -hmm. team. You can always see the joy when Damien gets to discuss offensive line play here on NFL Live. And obviously, it's going to be a big part of their success this year. But, Diana, let's talk more about what do the Jets want this offense to look like with Aaron Rodgers under center? Yeah, this is going to be Aaron Rodgers' greatest hits tour, right? We just saw Taylor Swift go through her tour with her greatest hits. It's going to be the same thing. It's going to be everything he wants to do, what he's most comfortable with. And that's really been the theme at Florham Park is let's make sure Aaron is as comfortable as he possibly is. Everything is has been tailored so he fits that. And that's really been the identity of this team now on offense. And look, it is really interesting because we're going to see a lot of the things that he did in Green Bay. But going back to what Lewis brought up earlier, I know the concerns in Florham Park are that of what Lewis just brought up protection, especially at the age of Aaron Rodgers right now, going to be 38 years old in December. This is going to be a problem that they're going to have to solve, and they're going to try to figure this out during training camp. Well, for Jets fans out there, I hope it's easier to get tickets for Jets games than it was the Taylor Swift concert because I struck out. Still looking for Jets tickets, though, this upcoming season. If anybody knows somebody who can help out on that front. We have plenty more to come here on NFL Live as Joe Burrow weighed on his squad's rivalry with the Chiefs. Lewis tell us why he thinks KC has the edge over Cincy on both sides of the ball in their upcoming rematch. And speaking of the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes just won his second Super Bowl. Does that make him a shoe-in for the best NFL player SB award? We unveil the winner right here on NFL Live. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Time now for some stock top storylines with Diana Rossini. And we start with Dalvin Cook. What more can you tell us there, Diana? Yeah, I feel like this has been the story of the summer, right? And we're going to have to continue to be more patient because I've learned that they're really going to be very patient when it comes to making the decision where they want to play. 
He has received multiple offers specifically from the Miami Dolphins, but he's really in no rush to sign. He kind of wants to see what the rest of the league needs and what they're able to offer, but I really would expect moving closer to training camp. And we'll see, Field, if the Jets will get aggressive here and try to make a move with an offer for Dalvin Cook as we wait to see how Brees Hall fares come training camp. And then you have DeAndre Hopkins, the other big story of the summer. And we've really been talking about the same two teams of the past two weeks, the Tennessee Titans, the New England Patriots. Hopkins visited both those teams, was told they had visits with both of them that went really well. Offers on the table from both those teams. The Titans with a little bit more money on the table. But again, same theme, very similar to Dalvin Cook. Patience, they're going to wait. In the meantime, the New Orleans Saints and Alvin Kamara can really move past the running back's legal problems. He pled no contest to a misdemeanor charge. He was facing a felony, but that was downgraded yesterday. So for now, 100 hours of community service. He's got to pay a big fine. And really, there's been no update from the league if they will hand down any punishment. But in terms of his legal troubles, this was good news for Alvin Kamara. Yeah, Diana, he is still subject to the league's personal conduct policy as a result of these off-field incidents. We'll see whether or not he does face a suspension. Let's go to Washington now. As in an extensive new report, months of interviews conducted by ESPN indicate that a larger cast of people than previously known might have played a role and leaking John Gruden's emails in 2021. And those leaks triggered a chain of events leading to Daniel Snyder's pending sale of the Washington Commanders. For more, here's Don Van Natta Jr. In October 2021, Dan Snyder was serving his punishment after the NFL's investigation into Washington's toxic workplace culture. But the billionaire owner was antsy. He wanted back into the NFL's good graces. Snyder thought leaking a handful of misogynistic and racist emails written by then Raiders head coach and longtime Roger Goodell antagonist John Gruden might do the NFL league office a favor. So he authorized a New York law firm to publicize them, multiple sources told ESPN. But Snyder wasn't alone. A cast of powerful executives in league circles also had access to the leaked emails and motives to make them public. The emails, uncovered by the NFL's investigation, ignited public furor and renewed media interest, unleashing a chain of events that led to Snyder's eventual crash, sources told ESPN. Sources say those with access to some of the emails included Goodell, Players Association Chief Demoris Smith, and Desiree Perez, the CEO of Jay-Z's Rock Nation, which has a contract to help the NFL with social justice messaging. Sources say that each party was anonymously involved in the leaks, but precisely how the email circulated may never be known. Sources say Perez, a commander's board member, played a role in the leak operation. Goodell and the league wanted to off Gruden, and seemed like they were tough on racism. This was a gift. In a letter to ESPN, an attorney representing Perez said that she had no role whatsoever in the leaking of any emails. In one email, Gruden used racist language to describe Smith. According to a source with firsthand knowledge, Smith bragged that he had authorized the leak of that email to the Wall Street Journal. 
the same time he was facing a contentious union vote to remain as NFLPA leader. The journal published its story hours before the referendum, and Smith kept his job by one vote. Owners and executives have long seen Smith as an asset. Four owners told ESPN they believe the commissioner was personally involved with the leaked emails. After a second leak to the New York Times featured Gruden criticizing Goodell using homophobic language, Gruden was forced to resign. NFL spokesman Brian McCarthy told ESPN neither the NFL nor the commissioner leaked Coach Gruden's offensive emails. Spokespersons for the NFLPA and the commanders declined to comment about the leaks. A partner at Reed Smith, Snyder's law firm, said the firm never leaked any of the emails. The leaks backfired. Within days, a congressional committee opened an investigation into Snyder, his football team, and the NFL. A source close to the committee told ESPN that their decision to act was a direct result of the leaks. The leaks were a major miscalculation, a source close to Snyder told ESPN. Without the leaks, he might just have survived. As Josh Harris's $6 billion purchase of the commander's nears completion, John Gruden is suing the NFL for allegedly leaking the emails to, quote, harm Gruden's reputation, and quote, and force him out of his job. After a judge denied the NFL's motion to dismiss it, the case is under appeal in the Nevada Supreme Court. Coming up on NFL Live, Debo Samuel thinks the 49ers would have been NFC champs if Brock Purdy just didn't get hurt. So is anyone here buying the 49ers over the Eagles this season? If Purdy comes back fully healthy, find out next. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. We might find our next Brady versus Manning as the Chiefs and Bengals have squared off in each of the past two AFC Championship games. They've split those two games. But the bottom rivalry doesn't look to be going anywhere anytime soon. That includes a regular season matchup in this upcoming Week 17 of the year. And they've been trading barbs this offseason with Jamar Chase asking, quote, Pat who? Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes took notice, tweeting, that's who, with his Super Bowl rings. Joe Burrow weighed in as well as he told Complex.com, quote, the best thing about this is it's all settled on the field, so we'll see them in December. All right, Damon, this has been a very balanced battle over the past couple of years, but as we approach the end of the offseason, which team do you think is more talented? <clears throat> 
Well, listen, I, I, I love this, this, this budding rivalry by these two organizations, but I want to get a slight edge to the Kansas City Chiefs, in particular on the defensive side of the football. The Chiefs had three rookies last year that played significant football. They really kept growing. You could see them progress and grow as the season went on, particularly in, in the playoffs, and, and everyone knows this, and, and Lewis can speak to this as well. Usually, you make your biggest jump from year one to year two, so I think that growth, particularly on the defensive side of the football, is where the Chiefs are going to make their greatest games. We know about Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Chris Jones. You know, we know about all those guys. Those are all pro guys. But the growth of those young guys, particularly in the secondary, for me, get, I'm going to give them the edge over the Cincinnati Bengals. All right, Diana. Uh, Damian just mentioned Chris Jones. And, of course, his contract has been a point of negotiation quite literally this offseason. Where do things stand between the Chiefs and their all-everything defensive tackle? Yeah, we talk about Patrick Mahomes being the most important player on offense, but Chris Jones is the guy on this Kansas City defense, and that's just talking to players yep. and obviously talking to coach with this chief staff about yep. the importance of what Jones brings to this team collectively. And I recently spoke with Kansas City Chiefs' Brett Veach, the GM, and he felt very confident that this deal was going to get done. And, you know, he, he mentioned sometimes these things can go awry and things do happen. But the sense I was getting when I was in Kansas City recently was that they were going to be able to get this deal done. In fact, Andy Reid even noted, I've been communicating with Chris Jones, and he mentioned to Jones, make sure you show up to training camp in shape. So now here we are just a few weeks away from training camp, actually really days, and there's still a sense that this thing is going to get done, Fields. What a beautiful thing. We're just days away from training camp. You do love to hear that. Uh, Lewis, as we know for the Bengals, this defense is in a bit of transition this offseason. They've played the Chiefs extremely tough when these two teams have matched up. But what are your expectations mm. for Cincinnati on defense after losing both of their starting safeties in free agency? Yeah, look, I expect them to still play at a very, very high level field. I mean, everyone knows how much of a fan of defensive coordinator Lou Anarumo that I am. And I spoke to him this offseason, and he understands. Look, at the, at the command and control center, as I like to call it, at the safety positions, you know, two of their heavy hitters last year, namely Jesse Bates, he's gone this year. So they have some new guys they're trying to break in there. Nick Scott comes in as an unrestricted free agent from the L.A. Rams. You know, now Dax Hill has to step in and be another one of those safeties that's kind of steps up as a, as a veteran. D.J. Turner, the corner from Michigan, comes in. Jordan Battle, the rookie from Alabama, comes in. All these guys are going to have to really submerge themselves and invest in learning lose defensive scheme to the degree that some of the old veterans that were there last year, and as you pointed out, gave Patrick Mahomes and them so many fits. You know, they're going to have to invest in learning all the nuance of this defense. But I, am, but I really do believe in the fact that Lou is one of the best teachers in the NFL. If you were going to use Madden ratings right now and say that in the AFC or if the, in the NFL overall that Kansas City's 99, then I would give the Cincinnati Bengals 98.999. They're right there, if not evenly matched with them. Heck, until last year's uh, AFC title game, they had lost to them three straight games. So, look, Cincinnati knows how to beat this football team. They improved their roster. They'll be right there in the end again this year. Uh, speaking of Madden, if you want to watch a show dedicated to rankings, ratings, July 23rd, <laughs> 1 p.m. Sunday, you have nothing else going on. The beach is overrated. Sun is bad for you. Watch TV on your couch July 23rd. Lewis, I know, will be on that show as well.
All right, talked about the AFC rivalry. Let's mm -hmm. go to the NFC rivalry. This one where Debo Samuel and the 49ers are looking to stoke the flames once again with the Eagles. The 49ers wideout claimed the 49ers would have beaten the Eagles in the NFC Championship game had Brock Purdy not gotten hurt. And this week, he actually ended an interview early when asked about those comments. In the midst of it all, quarterback Brock Purdy is still working his way back from the injury that knocked him out of that game. So, Diana, what's the latest that you are hearing on Purdy's elbow rehab? Yeah, it's been rave reviews, actually, in terms of Brock Purdy being ahead of schedule where they thought he would be at. He's been throwing in Jacksonville. At least that was the end of May, June. He was uh, working with a quarterback coach there, throwing three days a week. And Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch have been very open with the media, saying they're really impressed with how ahead of schedule he has been. And, of course, the goal is going to be week one, but Purdy has shared that he wants to be cautious here, right? Because they don't want to have a re-injury. They would rather just play this safe. So they're going to see how this goes during training camp. Nobody can make a prediction at this point of how this is going to play out. The hope is to get there, and he is working really hard to get there. But we'll see how it goes during camp. And, of course, the Ford Niners do have Sam Darnold as perhaps an insurance policy. And there's Trey Lance, who, to me, feels like one of the NFL's great mysteries still. The third overall pick in the 2021 NFL Draft. Of course, these two teams were the class of the NFC last year. Both Philly and San Francisco won at least 13 games and finished top three in both point margin and turnover margin. Both teams had six players named either the first or second All-Pro teams. And then Philly beat San Francisco 31-7 in that aforementioned NFC Championship game. So these teams not separated by all that much other than an injury. So Damian, same question. Which team do you give, to the, ed give the edge to in terms of talent if they are both Full strength, which is a very important consideration given how impactful Purdy was last season. Yeah, this is a tough one, Phil. I'm going to get a slight edge to the Philadelphia Eagles, and, and the main reason for me is Jalen Hurts. Mm. Jalen Hurts, to me, is a guy that every year, he, since college, seems like he's gotten better, better, and better. He just finds something in his game to improve upon. We saw last year how dominant he was, and Obviously, you think back to the to the Super Bowl last year, he was the best player on the field, in my opinion. And so, I just feel like the, the, both of these rosters are, real, are just so close. 1A, both of them could be 1A, in my opinion. But I think the quarterback position separates it just a touch, in my opinion. Yeah, what makes it interesting with this football team this year is not so much the players themselves, because I think we've all... We all say that they did a great job restocking this roster. As a matter of fact, building up to where it may be the best roster in the NFL, 1 through 53. But the question for me is, how does new offensive coordinator Brian Johnson, now that he's the OC, not the quarterback coach, but the guy who every week is going to be in Jalen Hurts' ear, formulating the game plan, tweaking the game plan as the games go along, when it's that third and four and that crucial call has to be made, Nick Sirianni's like, hey, man, what are you calling? What are you dialing up here? Who are you getting the ball to? How are we going to protect the quarterback? What's the situation? How is he going to respond to that? Look, Shane Steichen, who was the offensive coordinator last year, obviously was pretty darn good at it. Now, wasn't he? Mm. He got a head coaching job out of it. Now he's co coaching Anthony Richardson up there in Indianapolis. But see, these are the kind of things that I think we all as football fans kind of take for granted. Well, Brian Johnson was on the was on the coaching staff last year. He'll just step in. Everything will just go nice and smooth. The Eagles will be right back in the Super Bowl. Damian, you know, Field, you know, Diana, you know, it's not just that simple. So let's just see if that's any kind of hiccup for this football team that right now, coming out of the draft, 
we were all sitting there going, it's not even fair what they're doing mm. as far as accumulating the personnel that they have. Let's just see if it all translates on the field. Yeah, it still doesn't feel that fair to me, but uh, they do have to play the games, as they say. New on NFL Live here, That's we have right. something fun. This fires me up because the Buccaneers are bringing back their creamsicle uniforms this season. They are right. tremendous. We will see these games. We will see them in week six mm -hmm. game against the Lions, the debut of them this year. Um, I don't know if I can make this rule, but I think these should be permanent. <laughs> I just feel like that's the only way that life should exist. It should be with the creamsicle uniforms as the full-time uniforms. Plus, media days have been taking place around the NFL, producing some memorable moments. There's Fortnite's tight end, George Kittle, saying, you're too small. Kenny Pickett and Cam Hayward, prom pose. Aw, so hunky-dory in Pittsburgh. <laughs> and then finally, the very special teams got together for a group photo. No words. I'm going to leave it right there. Having and then, fun with these. I mean. Everyone's getting really creative. Oh. We'll put that one in there. Theo! Oh, boy. Theo, yes. Theo, yes. That was back when I had time to work <laughs> hey, out. Hey, what? Field, seriously, seriously, what's going on with your neck, man? Creatine. Creatine, Lewis. You did a lot back in the day. Man, you did a lot of four way neck surgery. A lot of these shrugs here. 12 ounce curls and shrugs. Uh, I, now I chase two kids around. So I don't have time to do things yeah, like man. go to the weight room. But, uh, oh man, the not so good old days. <laughs> Coming up next year on NFL Live, we're going to retire that photo forever. And we're going to talk about Justin Jefferson because he continues to make his case as the best receiver in the league. But can he gritty his way onto the SB stage tonight? We announced the SB winner, the best NFL player just around the corner. Plus, looking back at the most memorable moment in the 31-year history of the SB Awards, the amazing speech from Jimmy V coming your way next. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We might find our next Brady versus Manning as the Chiefs and Bengals have squared off in each of the past two AFC Championship games. They've split those two games. But the bottom rivalry doesn't look to be going anywhere anytime soon. That includes a regular season matchup in this upcoming Week 17 of the year. And they've been trading barbs this offseason with Jamar Chase asking, quote, Pat who? Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes took notice, tweeting, that's who, with his Super Bowl rings. Joe Burrow weighed in as well as he told Complex.com, quote, the best thing about this is it's all settled on the field, so we'll see them in December. All right, Damon, this has been a very balanced battle over the past couple of years, but as we approach the end of the offseason, which team do you think is more talented? <clears throat> well, listen, I, I, listen, I love this, this, this budding rivalry by these two organizations, but I want to get a slight edge to the Kansas City Chiefs, in particular on the defensive side of the football. The Chiefs had 
three rookies last year that played significant football. They really kept growing. You could see them progress and grow as the season went on, particularly in, in the playoffs. And, and everyone knows this, and, and Lewis can speak to this as well. Usually, you make your biggest jump from year one to year two. So I think that growth, particularly on the defensive side of the football, is where the Chiefs are going to make their greatest games. We know about Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Chris Jones. You know, we know about all those guys. Those are all pro guys. But the growth of those young guys, particularly in the secondary, for me, get, I'm going to give them the edge over the Cincinnati Bengals. All right, Diana. Uh, Damian just mentioned Chris Jones. And, of course, his contract has been a point of negotiation quite literally this offseason. Where do things stand between the Chiefs and their all-everything defensive tackle? Yeah, we talk about Patrick Mahomes being the most important player on offense, but Chris Jones is the guy on this Kansas City defense, and that's just talking to players yep. and obviously talking to coach with this chief staff about yep. the importance of what Jones brings to this team collectively. And I recently spoke with Kansas City Chiefs' Brett Veach, the GM, and he felt very confident that this deal was going to get done. And, you know, he, he mentioned sometimes these things can go awry and things do happen. But the sense I was getting when I was in Kansas City recently was that they were going to be able to get this deal done. In fact, Andy Reid even noted, I've been communicating with Chris Jones, and he mentioned to Jones, make sure you show up to training camp in shape. So now here we are just a few weeks away from training camp, actually really days, and there's still a sense that this thing is going to get done, Field. What a beautiful thing. We're just days away from training camp. You do love to hear that. Uh, Lewis, as we know for the Bengals, this defense is in a bit of transition this offseason. They've played the Chiefs extremely tough when these two teams have matched up. But what are your expectations mm. for Cincinnati on defense after losing both of their starting safeties in free agency? Yeah, look, I expect them to still play at a very, very high level field. I mean, everyone knows how much of a fan of defensive coordinator Lou Anarumo that I am. And I spoke to him this offseason, and he understands. Look, at the, at the command and control center, as I like to call it, at the safety positions, you know, two of their heavy hitters last year, namely Jesse Bates, he's gone this year. So they have some new guys that are trying to break in there. Nick Scott comes in as an unrestricted free agent from the L.A. Rams. You know, now Dax Hill has to step in and be another one of those safeties that kind of steps up as a, as a veteran. D.J. Turner, the corner from Michigan, comes in. Jordan Battle, the rookie from Alabama, comes in. All these guys are going to have to really submerge themselves and invest in learning lose defensive scheme to the degree that some of the old veterans that were there last year and as you pointed out gave Patrick Mahomes and them so many fits you know they're gonna have to invest in learning all the nuance of this defense but I am but I really do believe in the fact that Lou is one of the best teachers in the NFL if you were going to use Madden ratings right now and say that in the AFC or if the, in the NFL overall that Kansas City's 99 that I would give the Cincinnati Bengals 98.999. They're right there, if not evenly matched with them. Heck, until last year's uh, AFC title game, they had lost to them three straight games. So, look, Cincinnati knows how to beat this football team. They improved their roster. They'll be right there in the end again this year. Uh, speaking of Madden, if you want to watch a show dedicated to rankings, ratings, July 23rd, <laughs> 1 p.m. Sunday, you have nothing else going on. The beach is overrated. Sun is bad for you. Watch TV on your couch July 23rd. Lewis, I know, will be on that show as well. All right, talked about the AFC rivalry. Let's go to the NFC rivalry. This one where Debo Samuel and the 49ers are looking to stoke the flames once again with the Eagles. The 49ers wideout claimed the 49ers would have beaten the Eagles in the NFC Championship game had Brock Purdy not gotten hurt. And this week, he actually ended an interview early when asked about those comments. In the midst of it all, quarterback Brock Purdy is still working his way back from the injury that knocked him out of that game. So, Diana, what's the latest that you are hearing on Purdy's elbow rehab? 
Yeah, it's been rave reviews, actually, in terms of Brock Purdy being ahead of schedule where they thought he would be at. He's been throwing in Jacksonville. At least that was the end of May, June. He was uh, working with a quarterback coach there, throwing three days a week. And Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch have been very open with the media, saying they're really impressed with how ahead of schedule he has been. And, of course, the goal is going to be week one, but Purdy has shared that he wants to be cautious here, right? Because they don't want to have a re-injury. They'd rather just play this safe. So they're going to see how this goes during training camp. Nobody can make a prediction at this point of how this is going to play out. The hope is to get there, and he is working really hard to get there. But we'll see how it goes during camp. And, of course, the four downers do have Sam Darnold as perhaps an insurance policy. And there's Trey Lance, who, to me, feels like one of the NFL's great mysteries still. The third overall pick in the 2021 NFL Draft. Of course, these two teams were the class of the NFC last year. Both Philly and San Francisco won at least 13 games and finished top three in both point margin and turnover margin. Both teams had six players named either the first or second All-Pro teams. And then Philly beat San Francisco 31-7 in that aforementioned NFC Championship game. So these teams not separated by all that much other than an injury. So Damian, same question. Which team do you give, to the, ed give the edge to in terms of talent if they are both Full strength, which is a very important consideration given how impactful Purdy was last season. Yeah, this is a tough one, Phil. I'm going to give a slight edge to the Philadelphia Eagles, and, and the main reason for me is Jalen Hurts. Mm. Jalen Hurts, to me, is a guy that every year, he's, since college, seems like he's gotten better, better, and better. He just finds something in his game to improve upon. We saw last year how dominant he was, and Obviously, you think back to the to the Super Bowl last year, he was the best player on the field, in my opinion. And so, I just feel like the, the, both of these rosters are, real, are just so close. 1A, both of them could be 1A, in my opinion. But I think the quarterback position separates just a touch, in my opinion. Yeah, what makes it interesting with this football team this year is not so much the players themselves, because I think we've all... We all say that they did a great job restocking this roster. As a matter of fact, building up to where it may be the best roster in the NFL, 1 through 53. But the question for me is, how does new offensive coordinator Brian Johnson, now that he's the OC, not the quarterback coach, but the guy who every week is going to be in Jalen Hurts' ear, formulating the game plan, tweaking the game plan as the ga games go along, when it's that third and four and that crucial call has to be made, Nick Sirianni's like, hey, man, what are you calling? What are you dialing up here? Who are you getting the ball to? How are we going to protect the quarterback? What's the situation? How is he going to respond to that? Look, Shane Steichen, who was the offensive coordinator last year, obviously was pretty darn good at it, now wasn't he? Mm. He got a head coaching job out of it, and now he's coaching Anthony Richardson up there in Indianapolis. But see, these are the kind of things that I think we all as football fans kind of take for granted. Well, Brian Johnson was on the was on the coaching staff last year. He'll just step in. Everything will just go nice and smooth. The Eagles will be right back in the Super Bowl. Damien, you know, Field, you know, Diana, you know, it's not just that simple. So let's just see if that's any kind of hiccup for this football team that right now, coming out of the draft, we were all sitting there going, it's not even fair what they're doing mm. as far as accumulating the personnel that they have. Let's just see if it all translates on the field. Yeah, it still doesn't feel that fair to me, but uh, they do have to play the games, as they say. New on NFL Live here, That's we have right. something fun. This fires me up because the Buccaneers are bringing back their creamsicle uniforms this season. They are right. tremendous. We will see these games. We will see them in week six mm -hmm. game uh, against the Lions, the debut of them this year. Um, I don't know if I can make this rule, but I think these should be permanent. <laughs> I just feel like that's the only way that life should exist. It should be with the creamsicle uniforms as the full-time uniforms. 
Plus, media days have been taking place around the NFL. We're just seeing some memorable moments. There's 49ers tight end George Kittle saying, you're too small. Kenny Pickett and Cam Hayward. Propos. Aw, so hunky-dory in Pittsburgh. <laughs> and then finally, the Bears special teams got together for a group photo. No words. I'm going to leave it right there. Having and then, fun with these. I mean. Everyone's getting really creative. What? Oh. Who put that one in there? Field. Oh boy! Field, oh man! That was back when I had time to work hey, out. Hey, Field, what? Field, seriously, seriously, what's going on with your neck, man? Creatine, creatine, Lewis. It's you a did a lot back in the day. You, man, you did a lot Field, of work on neck. A lot of these shrugs, right? A lot of these shrugs. Here. Tall arms, curls, and shrugs. Uh, I, now I chase two kids around, so I don't have time to do things yeah, like go man. to the weight room. But uh, oh man, the not so good old days. <laughs> Coming up next year on NFL Live, we're going to retire that photo forever. And we're going to talk about Justin Jefferson because he continues to make his case as the best receiver in the league. But can he pretty his way onto the SB stage tonight? We announced the SB winner, the best NFL player just around the corner. Plus, look back at the most memorable moment in the 31-year history of the SB Awards, the amazing speech from Jimmy V. Coming your way next.
The 31st annual ESPYs are tonight from the Dolby Theater in Los Angeles with appearances by Damar Hamlin, Patrick Mahomes, Sue Bird, Michaela Schifrin, and a performance by Grammy and Oscar-winning artist Her. Coverage begins at 8 Eastern on ABC. It has been 30 years since the very first ESPYs in 1993 when Jim Valvano's iconic Don't Give Up, Don't Ever Give Up speech launched the V Foundation for Cancer Research. In this ex excerpt of the upcoming SC feature documentary called The Speech, we look, how, we look at how that impactful night from Valvano was able to make it to the stage and deliver his important message. Let me tell you this, no way, shape, or form did I ever feel that he was going to go on and I started to tell him how maybe, maybe after I introduce him, you can bring a mic over to the, where he's sitting and let him just say thank you while I'm sitting there. Well, he hears me do that. He says, Dick, Dick, just you guys get me up on that stage. Jimmy now is confronted with the biggest battle he's ever had to face and he's faced it like a real champ. God, he's something special, and I love him dearly. A man of super courage, Jim Valvano. I can't tell you what an honor it is to even be mentioned the same breath with an author, Ash. Um, this is something I certainly will, will treasure forever. But as, as uh, was said on the tape, I, and I also I don't have one of those things going with the cue cards, so I'm going to speak longer than anybody else has spoken tonight. That, that's the way it goes. He didn't really prepare a speech. He just got up there and said things from his heart and laugh and make everybody so happy. I get chills thinking about it. This is like divine intervention, adrenaline, whatever you want to say. When he walked up there, it, it was one of the greatest speeches ever. When he was brought up to speak, I was brought backstage because I was going to go on right after his speech. And so I'm there and have a vantage point like nobody else. I can see how weak he is. I can see him behind the podium and just knowing, just thinking, how is he doing this? How is he delivering this speech? I remember just being in awe of what was being said. To me, there are three things we all should do every day. We do this every day of our life. You're going to have, what a wonderful, number one is laugh. You should laugh every day. Number two is think. You should spend some time in thought. And number three is you should have your emotions moved to tears. Could be happiness or joy. But think about it. If you laugh, you think, and you cry, that's a full day. That's a heck of a day. You do that seven days a week, you're going to have something special. The more it went, the more impressive it got. He had the strength and the force and the charisma that he showed 
to reach everybody in the audience is, is unparalleled. I sat there and I started to smile and, and I, got really, I got really just sucked into the moment. I, all I could do was look at Jimmy, just hanging on every word. And I always have to think about what's important in life is to th think to me of three things, where you started, where you are, and where you're going to be. It's so important to know where you are. And I know where I am right now. How do you go from where you are to where you want to be? And I think it, it, you have to have an enthusiasm for life. You have to have a dream, a goal. And you have to be willing to work for it. I looked at my script, and my script said Jim Bovano was allocated two minutes to give his speech. My associate director, when the two minutes were getting close, uh, started to give Jim the signal on the teleprompter that his time was ending and he should wrap up. I talked about my family. My family is so important. People think I have courage. The courage of my family is my wife, Pam, my three daughters here, Nicole, Jamie, Leanne, my mom, who is right here, too. And then the magic happened. And that screen is flashing up there 30 seconds, like I care about that screen right now, huh? <laughs> I, got, I, got, I got tumors all over my body. I'm worried about some guy in the back going 30 seconds, huh? You got a lot. Hey, phenomenal, buddy. You got a lot. <laughs> I remember the control booth basically exploding with laughter when he did that. So the red light was one of the best things that happened to the show because it made Jim's speech better and better. I had to make the decision, uh, do I play him off at the end of two minutes or do I keep going? If he went from two minutes to 11 minutes, there was no doubt in my mind I was not going to cut him off. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. To see the origins of that speech, how it all came together on one special night and the legacy it created, watch the full documentary, The Speech, tonight at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on ESPN. The ESPY Awards follow at 8 p.m. Eastern Time on ABC. Coming up, Jalen Hurts put on a show in the Super Bowl, but was his signature season enough to dub him this year's best NFL player? We reveal the ESPY Award winner next. So the ESPYs are tonight in Eastern on ABC, but let's give you a sneak preview right now. Here are your 2023 ESPY nominees for the best NFL player. 49ers defensive end Nick Bosa, Eagles quarterback Jalen Hurts, Vikings wide receiver Justin Jefferson, and Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes. We're going to go ahead and take a closer look at this year's, uh, this year's candidates, and each of our analysts will have a chance to state the case for each. Each of these players for this award, we begin with Nick Bosa. He was the league leader in sacks last year with a whopping 18 and a half, well ahead of second place Miles Garrett and Asad Reddick. That's the second best total by our 49ers since sacks became an official stat back in 1982 and the best in over a decade. Damian, what's the case for the big man winning this award? Yeah, man, listen, Nick Bosa, the, lynch, the linchpin of arguably the best defense in the National Football League. 
you know, just an absolute game record, changes games. You know, he's he's not he's not only a guy that, you know, had all those sacks, but a guy that created fumbles and, and turnovers and all those type of things. And and if you ask a, as a as a former offensive lineman myself, I feel like he's the best pass rusher that we have in the National Football League. As much as we glorify quarterbacks and rightfully so, this is the one guy that you want going getting after those guys on the other side of the ball. Nick Bosa's that do glorify quarterbacks. We would never do that here on NFL Live. Although the next nominee is Jalen Hurts, <laughs> who was a singular force for the Eagles last year, leading all quarterbacks with 13 rushing touchdowns without losing a single fumble as a rusher. But it's not just that mobility. Hurts led all quarterbacks with 12 passing touchdowns on throws at least 20 yards down the field. Diana, make the case for yep, Jalen Hurts. Guys, Jalen Hurts has come a long way in a very short amount of time. This time last year on this show, we were debating whether or not we thought Jalen Hurts could get the Eagles above 500 slightly. We weren't even sure if he could do that. And then, of course, we saw what he did at the Super Bowl, guys. He was able to go out there and have one of the best quarterback performances of any quarterback to ever play in the game. Of course, throwing for 340 yards, rushing for 70, throwing for a touchdown. He was up for MVP, up for Offensive Player of the Year. Jalen Hurts certainly wowed everyone, but I have a feeling he may fall second place again to, you know, that guy in Kansas City. Well, we'll find out. This award has not yet been presented. It's as easy to say that Justin Jefferson was the best receiver, maybe player in the NFL last season. He led the league in targets, receptions, and receiving yards, but the Vikings have had some great wideouts. And Jefferson's 128 catches and 1,800 yards are Minnesota's all-time record. So, Lewis, why does the guy they call Jettas deserve the award? Well, Field wasn't on that list right there in terms of, you know, how good he was. Was he led the league in first down receptions? He was second in the league in plus 25-yard receptions. Mm. He was one of the tops in the, league in, in the league in terms of yardage after the catch. This is a guy who's a three-position player, meaning he can play the flanker, he can play the split end, he can play in the slot, he can play out of the backfield. And the thing about it is no matter all, the, all those different positions that he played in, they knew, meaning the opposition knew, that when they needed it in, in Minnesota, Kirk was going to Justin Jefferson. And when you continue to produce when people know they're going to you, and you can make the, make the catch in all environments, meaning if you have separation, if you have people on you, if the ball's high, the ball's low, in the end zone, red zone, third down, he does it all, man. He does it all, and that's why he is without a doubt deserving of being in consideration for this award. Let's get to the final nominee, Lewis. No surprise, it's Patrick Mahomes. As he set a career high in passing yards and had 41 touchdowns last season, he and Drew Brees are the only players in NFL history with multiple seasons, 5,000 yards and 40 touchdowns. He got all but one vote for the AP First Team All-Pro quarterback spot. And I get to make the case for Patrick Mahomes, the easiest thing that I will ever do. There are two criteria we measure quarterbacks on more so than any other. Individually, it's MVP awards. Team-wise, it's Super Bowl rings. Patrick Mahomes was the NFL's MVP for the second time last year and for the second time in his career, the Super Bowl MVP as the Super Bowl winning quarterback. He is the best player on the planet and is not going to be anytime soon that he slows down. Those are four very deserving nominees, but there can only be one SB winner, and the 2023 SB for Best NFL Player goes to Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes. Yet another award for the reigning league and Super Bowl MVP. I've got a feeling this one might mean the most for Patrick Mahomes. 
What's better than the ESPYs? Not a Super Bowl win, not an MVP. This is the second time that Mahomes has won ESPY for best player. Here's the hardware he'll be receiving right now. Thank you very much. He was the best player back in 2019. Mahomes follows Cooper Cup, who took home the award last year, and Mahomes becomes the eighth player to win multiple times in the category. How about this? New Jets quarterback Aaron Rodgers has won four times. That's the most by any NFL player. So, Damian, can't imagine this is much of a surprise. Do you agree with this decision? Yeah, what a shocker here, Phil, that we go with the best player that we have in our league in Pat Mahomes. Much, much deserving, though. I mean, he, he's he's that dude yeah, in the National Football shocker. League right now. Lewis, Diana, your thoughts here? Any 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 argument? I mean, can we really make the case for somebody else? Uh, I'm just I'm just gonna I'm just gonna I'm just gonna echo what you know what Damian said. Yeah, yeah, what a shocker. What a shocker, man. <laughs> I'm asking for confetti as well. You're getting I, I it right think now. what makes Patrick Mahomes so so incredible is every time he improves and does these magical things, he just does one more. He's always just one upping himself and just getting better every year. And what he did last year with that injured ankle, with the injured ankle at the Super Bowl. Tremendous. Yeah, he's unstoppable, whether he has one ankle or two. Here are some of the other SB nominees ahead of tonight's <laughs> show. 8 Eastern again on ABC. Patrick Mahomes, best athlete nominee. The Kansas City Chiefs, best team nominee. Brock Purdy, the best breakthrough athlete nominee. And Justin Jefferson, the best play nominee. If you don't remember the catch that Jefferson made that is up for best play, it was week 10. It was against the Bills. We showed it just a minute ago. It was ridiculous. I'm That's still not good. sure it is actually real. 8 p.m. Eastern time.